Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. What a great day already. Amen. Uh, we don't have any catfish after church today, but, you know, we'll do with what we can do. I want to say a couple of thank yous, first of all, and just recognize this was our first time uh, Thursday night at Eden Place in more than a year. And uh, the uh, uh, Brother Walt and, and Kathy Lou's class uh, did the meal and had a great time. Those folks loved it. Your classes can participate in that every month. It's once a month. Gloria Williams uh, line you up for that. Uh, I'm going to tell you, it's a, it's, a, it's a little extra stuff, you know, and everything, but I'm telling you, it, it, it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort. It was a glorious time. I appreciate them so much for doing that. And then I want to just say just a word uh, about, you know, uh, how about that Hallsville Bobcat and that uh, coach right there, Scott. Amen. Amen. We're, we're proud of you, brother. And Going to be praying for them as they go to Dale Diamond this Thursday. Uh, and uh, I can't be there. The hoppers are going to be here. It's not anything against you, Scott. But, uh, you know, the hoppers are the hoppers. So we got to be here. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, what a blessing to, to, uh, to watch God use men in the church of the Lord. Amen. Exodus chapter 17 is where we are this morning as we continue to peruse through the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8 today, uh, as we think about winning the victory. Everybody wants to win the victory. Nobody wants to live in defeat. We want to win the victory. And there's certain things we've got to do in order to win the victory. You say, oh, no, man, I got saved. I just turned it all over to the Lord. Well, you know, you're probably not winning the victory then. We'll see. Beginning in verse 8, would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. And the Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. That is the Lord my banner. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Father, thank you today. Thank you that, Lord, what matters to us matters to you. Lord, it's your desire that we live in victory. God, there's not a one of us in this place that your will is for us to be defeated. You have made us more than conquerors through him that has conquered all things. And so, Lord, today, as we think about victory and, and look at victory, God, tune us in to your victory. Tune us in to being connected to you 
and your power and your presence and your almightiness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you so much for being here again today. Thank you for joining us on live stream. We're thrilled that you're here with us. This is a great crowd here this morning. Appreciate that. Exodus is about God who makes himself known. He made himself known, first of all, to Moses in the burning bush. He made himself known to Pharaoh through the plagues. He made himself known to the Egyptians as he destroyed the entire Egyptian army. And now he makes himself known to the nation Israel. In the midst of our lives, there's battle after battle after battle. Now, I know technically we've already won the war. We won the war when Jesus died on the cross. And that wasn't the winning of the war. The winning of the war was in the resurrection when he rose from the dead that third day. I know we've won the war, but there are still battles to go through. Lord Ellington uh, wrote this about... Uh, the great victory that they won over Napoleon at Waterloo. He said this, our men were no braver than the enemy. They were braver five minutes longer. Hmm. I want to tell you something, guys. If you quit today, it doesn't matter what God does tomorrow. You've got to hang on. We've got to keep going on with the Lord. We've got to have victory in our life. We've been following Israel as they make their journey from the Red Sea in Exodus 14 up to Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 19. And there have been new lessons all along the way. The Israelites here are, are Rephidim in, in uh, Exodus 17. But by the end of this chapter, it's going to be renamed Massa and Meribah, testing and quarrels. They're still here, but for the first time in their life, they're facing opposition from without instead of opposition from within. Opposition from within is real. There's a guy in this church, I want to tell you, that's given me a ragged fit since the day I joined this church. Uh, he voted against me coming here. Uh, he has done everything he can to disrupt the fellowship. He has a clever way of making a mountain out of a molehill. Sometimes I'd like to just slap the living daylights out of him. That man is me. We're, we're our own worst enemies, amen? It's our waywardness. It's our hard-heartedness. It's our lust of the flesh and the world, our wandering that causes 99% of our problems. Hmm. <laughs> That was a good place there, I guarantee. <laughs> but now, praise God, we're going to move from the inside of Israel that they've been dealing with. They've been griping and murmuring and bellyaching and all of this stuff. To now, they're going to move to the outside. They're actually going to fight with their hands. They're going to fight with their swords. They're going to be uh, an outward opposition there. Uh, God revealed his name to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses said, Lord, who am I going to tell them? Who, when, I, when I go in there, what am I going to say? Who sent me? He said, you tell them I am sent you. I am sent you. And then in Exodus 15, he says, I am the Lord, your healer, Jehovah Rapha. And now in chapter 17, he's saying, I am the Lord, your banner, Jehovah Nisi. Uh, when you hear banner, you think about something on a computer screen or something on the wall or something like that. Banner is a military term 
literally gathering around the pole that the army can be gathered and regrouped. In the midst of the fight, there's a retreat that you can come back to. And it's the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jehovah Nisi. He said, we're going to rally around you. I'm going to fight for you. You're going to fight, but I am your banner. Now, every one of us would like to travel from the Red Sea. That's the salvation part up to the uh, promised land. And if we have to go on a mission trip, uh, Lord, if you're going to make me go on a mission trip during this journey, let it be to Elam. I mean, let it be where I can sit in the hot tub with the 12 springs and the palm trees blowing in. That's the kind of mission trip I want to go on. Amen? I, I don't want to get out here in the wilderness and all. Lord, I want to be on that mission trip where everything's running good and everything's working good. But, of course, they didn't stay there very long because that's not reality. Bless God, there will be some days when we can sit in the hot tub and we can relax. Not very many of them, but there'll be some. But there'll be a lot more days of fighting and, and moving on for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have battles. But Jesus told Peter, put away your sword. Paul says our battle's not against flesh and blood. Now, I want to tell you this. I know some of y'all. I know some of you very well. And I, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Uh, if, if things go awry here in America, you're going to hear the preacher and his wife knocking on your door. Because I know some of you got enough guns <laughs> to take on the whole country. And I want to be where you are. I want to be there. I mean, and some of you getting ready to build a brick wall, and I mean, you're going to have a fortress and listen, the preacher and his wife need to have a place. There needs to be a man of God in your house. All, all I've got is a single barrel shotgun and a 25, uh, whatever that is, that I carry around with me, all right? That's it. That's all I got. Pow, 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 and that's it. That's it. But here's the deal. The real truth is this. As a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not here to rally the guns and the tanks and the swords. Our battles are real, but we're not against flesh and blood. We're battling against principalities and powers of the air. We're battling against the devil himself. Maybe it's people in your life that don't like what you stand for. Maybe it's the boss that doesn't like it, the fact that you're a Christian. Maybe it's your students don't like the fact you're a Christian. Maybe it's your family that hates the fact that you're a Christian. Maybe you got some theological trenches in your life and some things you're wandering and waving about. Maybe it's your own unbelief and your struggle to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe it's your temptation to seek revenge and to seek a name for yourself or to hold on to bitterness. Maybe it's your temptation to blame everybody else for what's going on wrong in your life. But in the midst of all of that, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. He's our banner. How do we continue on in victory? Well, the first thing we got to do is this. If you're going to be victorious, you got to get involved in the fight. We got too many people on the bench. It won't do you any good to sit on the bench. We need some folk in the battle. The Amalekites were preying on people that were weak and were not battle tested. Well, the Amalekites were the, uh, uh, Amalek was the grandson of Esau. And to say that they couldn't stand each other is an understatement. They were bitter enemies. Saul fought them in the 
1 Samuel 15. David fought him in 1 Samuel 30. It's almost like Moses, Joshua, Saul, and David were like men who pastored the same churches at different times. They had to put up with the same knotheads in every one of those situations. It was just different times. Amen? And so they lived, the Amalekites lived by attacking other people and plundering their wealth. In Deuteronomy 25, it talks about here when they're attacking here that they cut the tail off. You say, what's the tail, preacher? The tail is people like me that barely can get around. We lag around. We, we, we just barely get going. I, I, you, I've told you this before. I don't dare walk anywhere with my wife. My wife says, walk with me, walk with me. I ain't walking nowhere with her. She walks like a bullet. I, I look like a dog trying to chase her down if we're walking through the neighborhood. I'm not going to walk with her. I guarantee you. Now, I'll buy a bicycle and ride with her, and I can keep up with her that way. But the, the, the older and the, those who have got physical problems, maybe the mamas that are nursing children or the little children themselves, and the Amalekites would come in there and cut them off from the, the larger part of the army, and then they would pilfer that group over there. Now, that's sorry. That's sorry. So listen, don't feel sorry for them when God says, I'm going to wipe them out. Say, amen, God. I got a few more I want to add to your list. Amen. <laughs> They cut off. And then in verse 9, Moses said to Joshua. Now, we hadn't heard about Joshua before, so he undoubtedly is a pretty well-known guy because he just talks to him like, you know, everything, everybody knows him. He said, Joshua, you need to find some soldiers. Find some soldiers? There's 2 million Israelites out here who have been in slavery for over 430 years. Not one of them's ever been in a war. Not one of them's ever fought a battle or anything. Uh, the slaves didn't fight the battles. The slaves stayed back and they did the crops and they did the fields and they did the, the harvest and they built the buildings and they took care of the animals and the stock. It, they didn't fight the battle. And you want me to go back there and find some men that's going to go to battle? These people never held a gun in their life. I mean, can you imagine Joshua going, anybody got anything sharp here with them? Anybody got a good rock or, you know, something we can build a spear out of or something here? We got to get some men to go to battle. And so I think he's, he's telling them, look, at the beginning of their journey at the Red Sea, Israel didn't have to do anything. They literally, they just behold the Lord. He opened the Red Sea. He destroyed the Egyptian army. That was their day of salvation. He didn't have to do anything. But now, God says, you're going to have to get into battle. You're going to have to get into battle. It, it still takes faith. Even when they walk through, I mean, now you think, well, what a miracle. These Israelites are walking through the Red Sea. Well, let me ask you something. Would you want to just haul off and walk down in the midst of the Red Sea with the water standing up on both sides? You're thinking, well, it's just a breeze. They just walked through. No, it took a little guts to walk in the middle of that thing. I mean, I'd, I'd have been saying, look, this is not some elevator. This is the Red Sea. Those walls are stacked up with water. We ain't never seen anything like this. So it takes some faith in the Christian life. Our experiences throughout journeys, God is always teaching us something, and he wants to show us something and the fighting that Israel was to do wasn't to prove their merit to God. 
Because God, God didn't need to prove their merit. God said, you're my chosen people. I'm going to redeem you. He's already redeemed them. There are words we try to strike out of the New Testament church today. You won't see it on television. This would be the only place you saw it on live stream. Words like striving, striving. There's a church in East Texas that has a, their motto is striving to lift up Jesus. We were going through town one day with another pastor, and he said, can you imagine somebody put that on their church sign? Striving? Well, it's not a striving thing to live for Jesus. I said, well, you just ain't had the right battle yet. There are sometimes when it's striving, doing all you can to live for Jesus. That word striving, it's still there. We need to strive to lift up Jesus. That word work that everybody thinks is a bad four-letter word, it's in the Bible. It's a good word. Effort, fighting, those are biblical words. And, uh, and the gospel that frees us from self-justification also frees us from cowardice and fear. Because Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Becky and I were eating supper last night with a missionary from India that our church supports, and we have been. And he was telling us just different stories. Their leader of the national group this last month was beaten just within an inch of his life, and they, they took him home, and he was recovering. And, and then some people uh, from the church, people who would say they went over to see him, and then the, uh, the, the country there, uh, the army, found out those who'd gone to see him, and then they beat them within an inch of their life. So he said, don't nobody come see me. I'm all right. Everything's going to be all right. And he said, as soon as I get through, I'll be back out sharing the gospel with a smile on his face. He told us last night about two young men who had been saved, just gloriously saved. Their daddy is one of the head of the Hebrew Muslim groups. And yet they, they sat there and they said, we've got maybe two years left to live. And they wasn't wringing their hands saying, I don't know what we're going to do. They're rejoicing. Another testimony reminded me of Wes Stewart. It was a little short guy. He said, just love the Lord, Wes. And said he didn't have a tooth in his head. And he had been testifying. He had been beaten 17 times. 17 times. And he was smiling from ear to ear the whole time saying, what we do here is not worthy to even compare to what we're going to have one day. Hey, you got to get in the battle. We're in a war. Now, I, I thought to myself, if I'm there, and, 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 we're getting, and Joshua comes and says, look, Charles, we need you in a battle. I'm going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Moses is tight with God. They talk. I mean, they, they, they're together. You go back and you tell Moses, do something creative. God, I mean, maybe take plague one, three, five, I don't know, take some different plagues and hit the army with it. Well, hey, God, won't you do creative? Take these buzzards, put some torpedoes on them, and let them just swerve down there and hit the Amalekite. I mean, Lord, there's no reason why we got to do all of this when you can speak it and it be done. But God said, 
go get some soldiers. Listen. He's going to fight for us and the victory's ours. But don't put your head in the sand. Don't put your head in the sand concerning America. Evil is trying to destroy the very country that God has blessed from the very foundation of this country. And it's evil that's trying to destroy it. And all that's got to happen for evil to destroy it is the church and the Christians just sit and say nothing. And most of them are doing that very same thing right now. Don't put your head in the sand concerning our schools. We're blessed here with some great schools and some marvelous school teachers. But listen, all of this stuff that's coming down the pike, this transgenderism, where boys are going to be able to compete in athletics with girls. Listen, all of that's going to do, it's going to destroy what we know as the school system today. Don't put your head in the sand in your homes. Busyness and so many things going on and, and, and you think God is blessing. You want to know how you can tell if God's blessing? Because I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of us give God credit for stuff that God said, I don't want to be, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. You come and you say, hey, I got a promotion. God is giving me a promotion. I said, well, that's great. That's wonderful. Now, preacher, I won't be seeing you for the next year or so because I got to work every Sunday. That didn't come from God. The glory of God ain't on that. You come up here, young lady, and you say, hey, God gave me a new boyfriend. He's fine. Well, bring him on. We want to meet him. Amen. We're a family here. We want to meet him. Well, he don't do church. That didn't come from God. The glory of God's not on that. Listen, when you see a rattlesnake, you can act like it ain't a snake, and you can act like he's not there, but that sucker's going to bite you. We got to get in the battle. If we're going to win the victory, we got to get in the battle. Now, the second thing is here evidence too. We need each other. Man, we need each other. You know, the preachers that I see that are in trouble today are the Lone Rangers. Those who think they can go it alone. The Christians I see that are in trouble today, many of them are the Lone Rangers. They're trying to go alone. Moses did not go along. Verses 11 through 13, a wonderful picture here. Familiar, he's on the mountain. When he lifts up his hands, Israel wins. When he lowers his hand, the Amalekites win. And Moses realized something. This is hard. Hey, just lift up your hands and keep them lifted up. About 30 minutes. It won't take many of you 30 minutes. I mean, my soul. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. Hey, they were, he, he didn't go alone. He brought uh, Aaron up there. That was Moses' brother. He was the high priest. That represents prayer. And then he brought her up there. Now, her is not a woman. Her is a man, H-U-R. Now, we don't know from the Bible, but from the writings of Josephus, uh, we understand and believe that her was a brother-in-law of Moses, that he had married Miriam, Moses' sister. 
So that represents the purity there. So he's got these guys with him there, and he's got his staff in his hand, which is a picture of the power of God. And the Bible literally says, when he held up his hands, Israel prevailed. When he put his hands down, Amalek prevailed, and his hands grew heavy. They took a stone, put him under it. He sat out on it. Aaron got on one side, Ur on the other, lifted up his hands until the sun went down. Joshua was down in the valley doing the fighting down there while Moses and Aaron and Hur are watching from the hilltop. Now let me ask you a question. Was the battle won down in the valley where the troops were slugging it out? Or was it won up on the hilltop? Hmm. Well, I, technically it was won on the hilltop because when his hands were raised, Israel prevailed. When they went down, he didn't. Amalekites prevailed. But the truth is, it took all of them as a partnership. We're in this thing together. I, I'm just, you say, well, I'm just one person. You're an important person. Nobody can do what you can do. Nobody. God has a plan for you, and we need the exact same thing that Moses needed there. We need the power of God on our lives, which is the Holy Spirit. We need people of prayer around us. We need people of purity around us. God's power combined with ministry partners can do anything. Nothing too hard for God. Mm. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus told Peter, you go and strengthen the brothers. Acts chapter 18, Paul traveled back to strengthen the disciples. Romans 1.11, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in the faith. That's what we do as Christians. We strengthen each other. We hold each other's arms up. Listen to me, child of God, this morning. Be careful who you hanging around with. Be very careful. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I don't see people of the world walking off and leaving God. I see people in the church walking off and leaving God. I see people in the church who 10 years ago were talking about how great God was. And now they've walked off and left him. This is amazing how you had the joy of the Lord. And then you became a friend with somebody that could suck marbles through a gopher hole. Suddenly, you don't have any joy anymore. It's amazing how you let somebody that don't know anything about prayer make you start doubting whether God can answer prayer or not. Listen, you've seen God answer prayer. You've walked with God in hard times. You've tasted the things of God. And then you're going to let somebody come into your life and cast doubt on you whether God can do anything? It's amazing how a ringleader can get everybody stirred up. One negative person can stir the crowd up. And it's also amazing, you used to didn't say nothing, but when you got somebody that'll listen to you, you get louder and louder. You begin to say, well, uh, the church, I, well, it's not what it used to be. Well, praise God, it's not what it used to be. Amen? I'm not getting fed like I ought to be fed. Things are not running like I want them to run. And then you start getting talking crazy. Somebody don't even know God gets you to start doubting the God you know. God's called you out this morning. He saved you. He's delivered you. He's brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
and then you're going to start doubting God? Now, I hasten to say this. I understand what Moses is saying, and many of you are exactly the same way too. Lord, it's hard. It's hard. How much longer can I keep up just the regular stuff, the work that I'm going to, the kids, the dogs, the cleaning, the bills, the fatigue, the lack of sleep? You're exhausted. Lord, it's hard. Then you throw in on top of that, marriage is falling apart, people betraying you, people hurting you, the fear of the unknown. You're looking for a job. You're looking for a spouse. You got doubts, and then illness comes along, that cancer word or heart attack or diabetes or surgery, and then it's even more of a strain if it's one of your children going through that. You'd rather be going through it yourself than your own children going through it. And you say, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can, I can hold my hands up. And that's when the people of God need to rally. Say, we'll hold you up. When you can't pray anymore, we'll be praying. When your prayers have turned into anxiety, we're going to keep praying for you. Now listen, don't leave here and go up to somebody and say, Brother Charles' message this morning looked like your life falling apart. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you'd be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you see somebody going through something, you put your arm around them. And you say, look, I don't know what you're going through, and I don't have to know. But I just want you to know I love you. And I'm praying for you. You can count on me. Don't, don't, don't ask people if they need anything, because I'm, I'm looking at a whole church full of liars. <laughs> you need anything? Anything you need, let me know. I ain't going to let you know. Ain't nobody going to say I need nothing. You just go ahead and do it. You just go ahead and do it. You got a mama that's been sick, that's got three kids, just go ahead and make them a casserole. If they don't like it, they can throw it in the trash. But I bet you they'll like it. I bet they'll like it. We need each other more than we've ever needed each other before. getting involved in the fight. I got to hurry. We need each other. (laughs) And then we need the Lord. Hey, thank God we need to fight, but thankfully we don't have to do it alone. We need each other. We need the Lord if we're going to prevail. Moses headed up to the top of that hill with the staff in his hand. It speaks of the power of God. In Moses' Uh, life in Exodus chapter 4 that staff turned into a snake and then back into a staff and then back into a snake that ate up all of Pharaoh's snakes in Exodus chapter 8 that staff stretched over the rivers and the streams and frogs come up everywhere all over the whole nation of Egypt there in Exodus chapter 9 that staff caused hail to beat down the crops in Exodus chapter 10 that staff brought forth locusts to consume the land in Exodus chapter 14 That staff raised up and parted the Red Sea for the Israelites to walk through on dry ground and the Egyptian army to be destroyed. And now in Exodus chapter 17, that same staff is a major part of the victory. Now, 
I heard a lot of sermons on Exodus 17, and most of them conclude that that staff represents prayer. And I, I agree, I, it, it can. But I don't think that's what that staff represents. I think that staff represents the power of God. I think that's what verse 16 there said. Remember this. He said, I want you to write it down, verses 14 through 16. One of the, this is the first time that God's ever said, write something down. It's the first time an altar's ever been built in Egypt, uh, in, uh, uh, well, in the, the Israelites, in Exodus. It's the first time the altar. He's literally saying here, this is the Lincoln Memorial. This is the Jefferson. This is the, the, the George Washington. We've had some difficult times, but God's always came through. And I want you to write this down. I want people to remember this here. We've got folk right now in our country trying to rewrite history, trying to take things away. And I will tell you, our history's not, it's not the most beautiful thing in the world, but it's history. It's still true. I mean, you take the good and you take the bad. We're not going to be very long from now that Israel's going to get ready to go into the promised land. And I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to see some giants over there and some scary people, and they're going to say, mm, we can't do it. And they're going to forget that Jehovah Nisi is their banner. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to turn an 11-day trip into a 40-year tour. <laughs> Some of you in this place this morning, God's wanting you to move on to victory, but you're saying, I can't do it. Nothing's impossible with God. And you've been lingering and lingering and lingering, and you've turned what God expected you to do in one to two days in a victorious rally, and you've drug it out for years. You see, when they, when they put that stick up, literally, that said, I'm getting a hold of the throne room of God. Jehovah Nisi is my banner. And the throne room of God is going to come fight. <laughs> you say, now, preacher, the problem is I ain't got a stick. I ain't got a staff. No, you don't need one. Our banner is the cross. Jesus on the cross is our banner. That's our rallying cry as children of God. You, you pray, you gather around the cross because the cross is our banner. I don't know how to say it in Hebrew, Yahweh Nisi of the cross. The Lord on the cross is our banner. Is that what Jesus said? The Son of Man will be lifted up. On the Shetland Islands, northern coast of Scotland, a man spent five years and a lifetime of all of his savings building a solid steel yacht, 65 foot long. On the day of the 62 feet long, the day of his launching, he invited a local band to play. All the town was there. He was getting ready to take a cruise around the world with his yacht. Everything was just wonderful. They got there that day, and the band was playing. They took the champagne, <clears throat> broke it over the bow of the boat, lowered the ship down into the water, whew, sank right to the bottom. 
What good is a beautiful boat if it don't float? Hmm. What, what good is a successful life that ends after 50 years, 80 years, 90, even 100 years? What good is all of your success in life if you're not ready for eternity when it's over? Mark 8 says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What, what, what good is any of this if you're not ready for eternity? you got to get into battle. And for some of you this morning, that means inviting Christ to take over your life to be saved, to trust Him. You see, we need Aaron's and hers in this church today. Amen? We need people who lift each other up. But I want to tell you something this morning. <laughs> I'm looking at more Moseses in here than I am Aaron's and hers. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Moses had to admit, I can't do this anymore. Too hard. I'm looking at some guys and ladies that I don't need nothing. I'll get through on my own. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to do it the Lord's way or you're not going to do it. Maybe this morning we need Aaron's and hers, but we need some Moses to say, Preacher, it, my arms are too heavy. I've gotten it. It's too hard. I need some help. I need some help. What's going to happen when you tell the Lord that you need some help? <laughs> He's going to say, come on, child. I've been waiting for you to say that. Amen. Maybe this morning you may not need to be saved. Maybe you're already saved. Maybe you need a church to get in the battle in. These are days where we need to lift each other up. We need to be a family of God together. Maybe you're looking for a church home. That's how you're going to get in the battle. You see, if you're just visiting here, I, I, let me just tell you the truth. I, I, I got three minutes. We sit in staff meeting almost every Monday morning trying to figure out who's here and who's not here, who this is and who that is. If y'all would get in a life group and join this church, we wouldn't have to figure that out. We'd have your name on a roll, amen? And you could save, we could save the church a lot of money because we're just sitting there for two hours trying to figure out who's here and who's not here. We're a family of God together. You need us, we need you. But more than any of that, we need the Lord. Get in the battle. We need each other. We got to have Jesus. Father, thank you today for loving us, Thank you for giving us another chance. You've blessed us through another message and an invitation time to come and make decisions for you. God, thank you for that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If, if you don't have to move, please don't move. This is the most important time in the entire service right now. If you don't have anything else to do, be praying for people all around you right now. If you're here this morning, you say, preacher, you spoke to me. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. 
And I want you to pray for me. Nobody going to come to you. Nobody going to embarrass you. All I want to do is lift you up in prayer and pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand? Wherever you are, just slip it up and put it back down. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Slip it up and put it back down. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, man, I want to tell you, my arms are hurt. I'm tired. I'm weary. I need some help. Need some encouragement. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up and put it back down? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over this place. Thank you. Oh, God, I pray this morning <laughs> you'd have your way in every life in this building. God, make this a day that we'll never forget. Make this a day here at Woodland Hills that just like you did with the Amalekites where you said, write it down. Write it down. I want you to remember this day. Lord, would you reign victoriously in this place today? Every child would listen to you and be obedient. We're claiming victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together as God moves on your heart? These altars are open. You come right now. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. Come on. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there, my faith, I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Alive.
Come on. At we'll the cross, wait for you. At the cross. The cross. Where well, I first saw the light and the burning of my heart fell away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Come and feed 
just for a moment thank you so much again for being here and being a part of the service today let me remind you six o'clock tonight evening service uh brother cases be preaching in first john uh so join us for that is there kids praise is that going on do you, where are you at no no kids not for the summer we're through for the summer don't bring your kids up here and turn them loose amen <laughs> uh, stay with them now you're welcome to bring them and slide down with them all right that slide a whole 250. Uh, so uh, just take that in consideration there. <laughs> Don't forget uh, Bible study at 450, the, the uh, Bill Hansen's group and the ladies' study uh, there. Uh, Wednesday night, great, great time. Tuesday morning, Hilltoppers. We're meeting at 10 o'clock in, in entrance B. We're going to pick blackberries. Blackberries, 350 a pound, all you can pick. And uh, then we're going to see who makes the best blackberry cobbler. All right? <laughs> That'll be a contest. And then uh, Thursday night, this coming Thursday night, the Hoppers will be here. And I will tell you, it, they're one of the top groups in America. Whether you're young or old, you're going to love them. They're, they're a blessing. So come and join us. There's no tickets. It's just a love offering only. After tonight, also after the service, we'll have a town hall meeting. You see in the bulletin what the three things are that we're looking at. So we'll be discussing that and voting on that tonight. Uh, and then uh, Vacation Bible School. Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, uh, this couple, this family that we have coming next Sunday night, you, you, if you have to mm, 
call in sick or whatever, you need to be here Sunday night. Uh, if you remember from last year, tremendous. I mean, tremendous. It's going to blow your mind. So everybody will have supper at 5.15, and everybody being here at 6 for Sunday night. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we break up into groups for Bible school. We have Bible school family style here from birth all the way up through 110. If you're here and you're older than 110, we ain't got nowhere for you, okay? <laughs> but up to 110, we got you covered, all right? So come and be a part of that. All right, Seth and Katie Foster and Ellie and Hadley. Y'all come if y'all would. And uh, Ellie accepts Christ as her personal Savior and wants to follow the Lord in baptism. All right, Ellie. All right. Thank you. God bless. What a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jessica and Jeremy uh, Carson and Jace, y'all come. And Ryder, okay, y'all come. And uh, they come this morning wanting uh, membership by baptism and by statement. All right. Praise the Lord for them. And then Jacob and Jennifer Willis, come if y'all would. They come this morning desiring membership by statement also. Both of them been saved, baptized, and part of a church. We praise the Lord for them. And if you receive them, say amen, clap, do whatever you want to do. All right. And then Miss Mary Hanley. Come if you would, Miss Mary, and stand right here. Miss Mary comes. She's been saved and baptized, and she wants to follow the Lord here and be a member at Woodland Hills Baptist Church by statement. All right, would you praise the Lord? Got a big group here. Come by, give them right hand fresh uh, fellowship. Give them a high five, like that. Whatever you want to do, you know. Uh, you know, I don't care what, but make them feel welcome. Amen. Praise the Lord for God moving. Amen. We praise the Lord. Would you stand with me together? Good-looking crowd. I'm telling you, for the most part, really good. Amen. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Dr. Bill Hansen, lead us in our closing prayer, please. 